Hi, and welcome to the Dying Desk Podcast. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick. It is Ironman Week in California. The Ironman race is a 140.6 mile endurance race, 2.4 miles of swimming, 112 miles of biking, and then, because it's not enough, 26.2 miles in running. Hardest day of sports is what most people say. What I love about the Ironman race is finishing <laughs> as a competitor. Uh, as a spectator, I love watching and wondering about the stories because anyone who takes on that kind of a challenge, A, probably is a little off. I say that as somebody who's done it. Um, but also there's usually a why. What's the why behind it? I've completed two of these Ironman races. I started a third one in France a million years ago, got pulled off my bike at mile 77 by a guy who made me stop. Long story, best over a drink. If you ever run into me and you want to know the rest of it, ask me. Um, I decided last year to do Ironman California because it was happening here where I live in Sacramento. And, you know, during the pandemic, I needed some focus because the rest of my life didn't feel like I had a lot of focus. So I thought, well, that would be kind of a fun way to emerge from pandemic life. Then came yet another thing I never saw coming in life, the bomb cyclone. So massive storm came in race morning, five inches of rain, totally predicted by the way. <laughs> I shouldn't say I didn't see it coming. Our meteorologists were like, um, do you see what's coming? Yeah, I did. Um, so one of the, the heaviest, I think we said all kinds of like weather records in Sacramento on that day. So the odd occasion when an Ironman race actually had to be canceled for the safety and sanity of all those involved and for those who help volunteer and put that race on. So my entry got pushed to this year, as did all of ours. And honestly, it was not on my radar because life is busy. So last year was the year I kind of set aside to, to do the training. This year, just it wasn't really lining up. And then I met a new friend, new work colleague, Michelle Bandour, and she also is an Ironman athlete. So when she joined our crew at the station, I was fascinated by her because I knew she was a little off just like me. I knew it just by looking at her resume and seeing the things that she had done. <laughs> so Michelle and I um, connected and we started talking one day at work and I was like, are you gonna do it? She's like, oh, I don't know. I mean, I'm just moving, trying to settle in. And I said, yeah, I got a lot of stuff going on too. And by the afternoon I had texted her. I'm like, let's do it, let's do it. Come on, let's do it. I'll do it if you'll do it. And uh, this is about nine weeks ago. And so here we are, you know, we're doing it. <laughs> I'm very excited about it. But Michelle is a really, really fascinating person. And she is the guest, by the way, here on the, the podcast today. Michelle grew up in the Midwest. She attended Iowa State, worked in TV markets like Topeka, Kansas, Lincoln, Nebraska, San Antonio, Texas. And she also worked in California, Southern California at KABC TV and then the Orange County News Channel. But Years ago, she went back to Omaha where she'd grown up to take care of her aging parents. And it was while she was working in Omaha that a viewer sent her a nasty card in the mail that changed her life. What that person wrote in this nasty card triggered something incredibly hurtful in Michelle that took her all the way back to being a tween teen girl. Hard time in a girl's life, hard time in any teenager's life. but. This person said something that triggered something. We're talking about a flat out bully. And as I tell the middle school kids that I coach in running, bullies don't always outgrow their meanness and meanness does not age well. All you can control with a bully, regardless of their age, is how you react to their meanness. What do you decide to do with it, if anything at all? What Michelle did with her bully is nothing short of inspiring. And I think it will inspire you. 
it's pretty remarkable what happened next because what she did next has changed the lives of hundreds of girls. And it landed Michelle on a TED Talk stage in a speech that has been viewed thousands of times. If you are a triathlete, you may have read about Michelle in Triathlete Magazine. What that viewer wrote and sent is the focus of this dying to ask. What Michelle did next will be something that I think you will take a lot out of. Find out what it takes to turn a negative into such a positive. And as the podcast went on and I was getting to know Michelle more and more, it occurred to me, she's one of those people you meet and you're like, wow, this girl gives great advice. <laughs> so at the end of the show, I kind of spontaneously sprung three life situations on Michelle. Like, how would you handle this? So Michelle's going to give some general life advice on three different areas. And it's really good. It's really, really good. I am so thrilled to have Michelle Maddour as a colleague at KCRA and Hearst Television. And I hope you will learn to love and enjoy her as much as I do on this Dying to Ask. Have you ever wondered how did they do that? I do all the time. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick and Dying to Ask is the podcast that gets me off a TV news set and into candid conversations with authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and influencers I have been dying to talk to. Soak up the motivation that comes from learning how other people live their lives, how they take an idea or a goal, they follow through, and they pull it off. And maybe along the way, I'll get some answers to questions you've been dying to ask. Michelle, welcome to the Dying to Ask podcast. Oh, and thank you so much for being here. This is really exciting. I've, I've wanted to be on it ever since I first heard it. So thank oh you. Oh my gosh. Well, that's an endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm so excited to get to talk to you because we have a lot of new people at Channel 3 and you are definitely you become one of the, the class favorites, one of the fun kids, because you brought so much to our team. And I was so thrilled to have you on board because I found out that you had very similar hobbies to me. <laughs> and it's rare to find somebody who likes the things that I really like. You mean another crazy person? Yeah, well, that's probably what they call us for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I had actually read about you a couple of years ago. I remember reading about you in Triathlete Magazine and some of the really interesting things you had done away from television and thinking, wow, what a cool, cool girl that she's doing that. Um, but it's so nice now to have you on our team. So maybe we should back up just a little bit. Okay. And explain. You moved to, to join us here at KCRA. You moved from our sister station in Omaha. Yes, that's my almost my hometown. And so I had been back at I had worked in Southern California 20 years ago. And then I moved back home thinking I wouldn't be there for that long. And then, you know, 20 years later, but I was so happy, you know, to get to KETV, um, our Hearst station. And I, you know, I stayed there. It's fun to be in your hometown, you know, to have all those sources and, and report on the things that are important to you that you grew up with. And of course, being around my parents. So I was with my parents in the, um, at the end of their lives and will never, I mean, that was just a great experience and just great memories and glad to be there. And then when, you know, they had both passed away and my dad had passed away, um, I'm a daddy's little girl, mm -hmm. you know, and so I was taking care of them. Um, you know, I just, it was just time for a change and time to get out of the cold. And I knew I wanted to come back to California and it just kind of made perfect sense to stay in the Hearst family continue my journalism career and uh, meet all the wonderful people at KCRA and like yourself. 
Well, and I think that's what I found so interesting about your move is that it is pretty rare that somebody makes that large of a lifestyle change after 20 years at a TV station. Because usually if you're one of the people who, who makes it 20 years at a station, it's because you you really don't want to make that change. So I think it's really cool that you kind of like flipped your life. Yeah, I did. And and to, to be clear, I was actually at a competitor and then Hearst brought me over. Uh, so I wasn't at her at KETV for 20 years, but I was back home for 20 years. So yeah, well, you know, yeah. 20 years back home though. Yeah, 20 but, years. Back home. Yeah, exactly. Back home. Well, that's yeah, awesome. I did, I flipped it. It was kind of scary, but I mean, it just was right. It felt right. And then I just feel like I just fit right in at KCRA. Everyone's been so welcoming to me, especially you. Oh, well, I'm so, I'm so glad you're enjoying it. Now, the interesting thing is that you actually had gotten to road test Sacramento a little bit this time last year, because like me, you were signed up to do Ironman California, which I actually did a podcast on last year. Um, and then, of course, we had the bomb cyclone, whether or not that's a real meteorological term is still being debated, but it ended up canceling the race. But you were actually here during that time because you were planning on doing the triathlon. Well, yeah, you know, I started following you back then because I'm like, oh, there's another Ironman there. She's going to know everything about the race. Like, so I kept following you and like looking for updates when I was hearing about this rain that was coming. <laughs> and it's like, come on, like, is it really going to rain in Sacramento? I mean, when they say rain, is it just going to be in the area? How long is it going to be for? So, but I just kept following you because I wanted to learn more about the race. I want to learn more about the city. And then, yeah, we, I mean, still came out here. I was putting my wetsuit on. When crazy. it got canceled. Crazy, crazy. And then here we are, both of us getting ready to do it again here in, in the next uh, couple of weeks, which is super exciting. Now, you have used triathlon um, as a sport to be able to also help a lot of people. And that's one of the things I really admire about you. Can you explain like how you got into triathlon in the first place and then how you were able to take a negative and turn it into such a positive? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if you remember the first time you watched the Ironman World Championships in Hawaii on television, but yeah. I do. I was like in junior high or something. And I thought, this is, look at these people. They get a swim, bike and run in Hawaii. I want to do that one day. And, uh, you know, I'm seeing people with, you know, without a leg or, you know, old people, you know, all different sizes and, and women, you know, at that time, there were women out there doing it. And I thought, I'm going to do that one day. Well, you know, life happens, fast forward. And actually when I was working in Southern California, I found out, you know, I started gravitating to people who I worked with who were doing triathlons. And I'm like, okay, this is it. I'm gonna do, I'm, I'm gonna get back into this. And um, it turns out that I moved back to Nebraska and, I, and I, then I started seeking out triathlon there. So I did uh, my first triathlon back in Nebraska. Um, I don't know, like 16, eight, I don't know. A while ago, I did my first, you know, triathlon, you know, where it was like in a pool, got to change clothes, blow dry my hair, you know, <laughs> get on the bike, you know, like, like a two mile bike and maybe a half mile run or something. But then, you know, I was hooked and started seeking out, you know, all the other triathlons. So, yeah, so I've been doing it for quite a while. I've probably done more than a hundred triathlons, but not like the long, the Ironman one. And so but what was it? What was it about the training and the experience that you found you really liked? Yeah, I think it was, well, you know, I grew up swimming, um, you know, just like kind of like the neighborhood pool and did summer swim team, but nothing, you know, nothing big. Like I, 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 I did not grow up an athlete. I was active. Like I played softball. I did the, you know, swim team in the summer. I was a cheerleader in high school, but I was never like somebody who was hardcore on the team, that sort of thing. 
but what I liked about it was, um, I think that, that, you know, you're working towards something and then you accomplish it. And it, it was really a boost of self-confidence. And I just love biking and swimming. And I've, I've come to love running. I should say <laughs> running is not, you have to run to get to the finish line is the way I see it. So I know you're a big, great runner and I'm just like, whoa, you'll be waiting for me at the finish line for sure. So, well, somehow um, I doubt that, but that that's pretty good. So my, it's funny, my yeah. path into it was I'm um, covering the Olympics for 20 odd years for Hearst, um, you know, covering the Olympics, you're around all these athletes all the time. And after a while, you start to think that you can do the things they can and you can't, but you can do it on some level. And so yeah. I had this opportunity to meet, you know, especially the triathletes and, and the, the runners and the swimmers and to like, see how they did life. And I'm like, well, that looks amazing. And so for me, as the years have gone on, I've enjoyed it as just a way to really clear my head. So to me, I would say it's much more about my sanity than my vanity at this point in my life. It's, it's just about like that, that voluntary suffer fest to get everything out to be able to handle other things as they come up. And I have found, especially in the last couple of years, having this particular race on the calendar has given me a, an opportunity to have like singular focus on just swimming, just biking, just running hard, to not be thinking about COVID, masks, this, that, like all the things. It's just, it's been a real gift to be able to do that. You know, I agree. It is a great escape and it gives you something to focus on. And then the community, I mean, you know, sure you're out there by yourself doing your, you know, doing your race or, you know, your completion of the triathlon, but the training you're with everybody. Like you said, everyone else out there is suffering as well, but the people that I've met through triathlon are very uh, welcoming, very friendly, you know, just like wanting everyone to succeed with each other, you know, and I really, I really like that supportive community yeah. and we need to get more women involved. That's great. When I started, it, it's rare, you know, that there was very little women involved. And so that's a great transition because you're talking about all the great supportive people that are within the sport, but yeah. there are a lot of like nasty pants, <laughs> as my, my friend Gretchen would say, who are out there just in general in life. And <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> you ran into one a few years back and man, this story, it just breaks my heart. But I also can relate to it because I've gotten similar kinds of notes from unfortunately, you know, rando viewers. So tell us a little bit about the note that really changed your life and how you were able to impact other people's lives. Oh, the note, the I note, the note, the note that you mentioned it. Um, <clears throat> I was really excited because I got this in the mail at KETV in Omaha. And I was like, nobody sends cards anymore. You know, we get emails and Facebook messages and, you know, and tweets and that sort of thing, direct messages, but who sends, who sends a note? So I, I get a note in the, in the mail and it had a dollar bill inside. So cash. I was we, like, we love cash. Exactly. I was like, wow, you know, this is, what is this all about? So would you like me to read you this note I, I received? Yes, please yes. do. Uh, Michelle, please accept this gift and use it wisely, right? 50 cents for the bags under your eyes and 50 cents for your big fat nose. You need the help of viewer. Not sure mm. if you can see that, but yes, this is, this is what, and I, I went, oh, cause you know, I was like up here, like excited. I got something in the mail and then, wah, wah, you know, just like that, yeah. you know, that feeling of elation. And then just that gut punch, you know, I, I just couldn't believe it because like you said, we, I don't, do people realize like 
the nasty grams that women get. Like a, a man wouldn't receive this in the mail. Like our, our male colleagues, we love them, but they don't get criticized. Nobody, nobody cares about their tie or their hair, but we get criticized over how we look, how we say things, you know, all of that all the time. And, you know, you learn to brush it off. And, um, but this one just hit differently. I think because they took the time to put it in the mail. And also, you know, when I was younger, I was made fun of for my big fat nose. And I, I, I'm not kidding you. I, all I could think about was getting a nose job. I just was like, I'm going to save my money when I get my first job. I'm going to, cause my parents, I asked my parents, they're like, we're not, you're not getting a nose job. We're not yeah. paying for, for your, a no, you know, a new nose for you, except your nose. And I'm like, no, I mean, people make fun. It just really hurt. So I actually, I actually started crying. I was in the newsroom and I started crying when I, when I read this, cause it just no, was, I, it was so I hurtful. totally get it because you're correct. Most of the time you just you can laugh it off or you put it aside. You don't think about it. But there are some times when somebody questions something or triggers something, um, you know, like for me, it might be something about like my kids. You come after you come after me all day long. I don't care, especially at this point in my life. I really don't care. But there are people in your life who might be a trigger. And for you, somebody said something that brought you back to another time in your life where yeah. we are so vulnerable. And as females, we're also deciding how we see ourselves, what we appreciate about ourselves, what we don't appreciate. And sometimes we hang on to these hangups over things for years and they become very defining for a lot of people. And I was really, then I got you know upset with myself. Like, why am I crying over this? You know, why? why am I letting this, it's words, why am I letting these words get to me, you know, and, you know, I went in, I had a, um, a woman boss at the time, Roseanne Shannon, and she's like, ah, take the dollar bill, go to church, light a candle for the SOB, <laughs> pray for this person, and I was like, yeah, what is wrong? I don't know her, but I like her. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and, you know, so I just thought, gosh, this is an opportunity, I have an opportunity to do something with this, like, I could, I could have thrown it away, and like you said, just put it, put it with our other bad emails and our other criticism from people who don't like what they see on television. And, um, and I thought, no, you know what, this, this person needs to be called out. So of course, you know, I put it on Facebook. I asked people for recommendations and there were all kinds of recommendations about what to do with the dollar <laughs> bill. And, and the thing is, it's a, it was anonymous to this day. I still have no clue who sent this to me. I don't know if it was a man. I don't know if it was a woman no idea. I just know it was actually somebody who changed my life and changed the lives of hundreds of girls because um, I started asking people for more dollar bills because, you know, our passion is triathlon, right? So I thought I got to do something with this. Found other like-minded people like ourselves, like Aaron Sullivan is the president now of our club. It's called Ironhawk Juniors Triathlon Club that we created. And she's a master swim coach. And she actually was in Ironman Kona in the 90s. And then just over time has gotten, you know, um, disenchanted. I don't know if that's the right word, but just with how expensive everything's gotten. You have to have all the right tools and the right bike and the right tires. And it's just so expensive. And she's just like, what's wrong with the way we did it back in the 90s with these steel bikes? And, you know, who cares about data and watches and all of that? And so... So we just got together and it was really great that first year we just started asking people for dollars. So I raised $8,000 just with this $1 bill. Hey, you know, got a dollar, like dollars and $20 bills started arriving in the mail at work. Um, company, you know what I found out? You just ask and people are like, yep. 
So I went to, you know, we went to some businesses and they said, yeah, here you go. Here's $1,500. Here's a thousand dollars. Oh, this one guy is like, oh, I'll do a barbecue, you know, after the event. So who donates all the hot dogs and everything. And so th that first year it was just this grassroots where it's like, hey, are you, is your kid still using your, their bike? Can we have it? You know, and we just kind of rounded up all this, all these bikes and all this equipment because we wanted it for girls ages eight to 14. We wanted it free. We went with a local college, College of St. Mary in Omaha. It was a women's college. We have a beautiful pool. Use the pool for free. It's right next to a city trail. Got permission to be on the city trail. Did the run around campus. So we ended up having these practices. And then at the end of the season, you know, we do a triathlon. And a lot of these girls didn't even know what a triathlon was, you know. Love it. And so yeah. when, when you start getting these girls together, that eight to 14 range, I coach middle school cross country. And yeah. There is such a wide array of hormones, emotions, what they care about, what hurts them. It is like, I have boys, so it is so eye-opening. And there are so many times out on the trails that it does take me back, just like that note did for you. It takes me back to thinking about those, those times and the insecurities. What are the things, what were the conversations you started having with these girls where you're like, wow, there's definitely something here. Well, yeah, the important thing was we wanted to make this available to everyone, you know, because the, in that age group, there's not a lot of programs like ours. You know, there's, there's a lot of opportunities for boys. There's just not a lot of opportunities for girls. And also at that age, you know, you're, you're conscious of your body and you, you know, you might be embarrassed of your body. You might not like your hair, you know, all of these things. And um, single parents and families who can't afford this, they can't do elite sports. They're not good enough to be on the team at school. So they just drop out of any physical fitness. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's not that opportunity for any physical fitness in a, in a group. And so, you know, when we, when we first started registering, we were so excited. We have like, oh my gosh, 30 families signed up, you know, 30 girls are signed up after the end of our first season. Guess how many ended up signing up that first season? I don't even, I couldn't even guess. 181 crossed the finish line. Stop it. We were like, ah, what do we do? But let's do it. You know, let's do what we wow. can. Yeah. And so, you know, we have, we've helped 600, 600 girls have crossed the finish line since then. But what we noticed about them, okay, that you asked me that question. I just get excited when I, you know, we think about all the girls that we've helped, but, you know, they started showing up at practice with t-shirts that had all these positive messages, you know, like warrior princess, you know, kind is king, um, you know, or kindness is my superpower. And, you know, you can do it. Anything is possible. Like all these positive messages. And then, you know, all these girls saying, well, I didn't know what triathlon was. And I, I was so embarrassed to learn how to ride a bike because I'm 13 years old and I'm so embarrassed because I don't know how to do that. But you know what, at, at, in that atmosphere that we have, it's all about, it doesn't matter if, you know, who cares that you don't know how to ride a bike at 13, we're teaching you and everybody's so proud of you. And so, so to take away their fears, to give them self-confidence, um, is just really amazing. That's what it's about. Sure. We're giving them the teaching them the three disciplines, how to swim, how to bike, how to run. And, um, but they learn that to support each other, they end up, you know, running across the finish line with their group members. You know, we put them into groups, they come up with group names, they make their own signs that we have like lining the finish line. Um, and, and it's just so positive, you know, to have females supporting females, 
you know, women supporting women, um, learning all these skills. It's just really, it's just, it's just really great. Like, you know, our values are turning a negative into a positive. Um, anything is possible. Empowerment through triathlon, honor yourself and others. You know, these are just the values that we teach and, and they really embrace it, which is great. And we had every zip code covered in, in the community, in the metro area. So, you know, every socioeconomic background, you know, we have refugees, uh, foster kids, you know, sign up for this program, you know, families who had money. So like the families who have money, they don't need the equipment. They bring their own equipment because then we have the equipment to give the families that can't afford it. And they right. get to take home a bike at the end of the season and a helmet, you know, when it's over. It's huge. Well, and I yeah. think like being able to learn those skills and um, work on those traits with a group of girls is really different than if you had made it co-ed. If you had made right. it open to just all kids, it would have changed the dynamic um, completely. And so I think being able to have just that all girls group is huge. And we've seen that. We see that in school. When it comes to math and science, we've certainly seen it in groups like running, running groups, where it just changes the dynamic a little bit. And it lets you be a little bit more vulnerable when you're with a group of people, regardless of your age, that you just have a little bit in, in common with. Yeah, you know, and for some reason, they just relate to me and my story. And, you know, that I'll get, you don't have a big nose. Your, your nose is great. Oh. And like, you know, and this is, you know, and I'll talk to schools and I'll, and I'll say, you know, you know, what's something that hurt to you? And they, and they voluntarily stand up and say, you know, so I've been told I'm, you know, I'm fat. I've been told I'm too skinny. I've been told I have funny teeth, you know, I've been told, you know, and they, and they say all these things that are hurtful, you know, that hurts them, but then they're building their self-confidence. Cause you know, so that's what happened to me. You know, I got my job on television and I was like, okay, I'm on TV with a big nose. Who cares? My, my dad, you know, rest his soul. Daddy's little girl has a huge nose. And so when I look in the mirror, I look at and see my dad, right? And that, and I'm proud of my heritage and where I came from and everything that he taught me. And so that's what we're teaching these girls. You know, it's okay. You don't have to be, you know, a hundred pounds. You don't, you know, it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter, you know, what your hair is. It just, it doesn't matter. You're, you're here and you're doing it and you're being active and you're supporting each other. So it's just, just learning to love you and accept yourself and others, you know? Yeah. How many yeah. years has the club been around? So our first year was 2018 and um, I had the numbers pulled up. I should have these memorized, but our first <laughs> year was 2018, 2020, we canceled 2021 was a, you know, abbreviated season because we were still kind of, gosh, what do we do about COVID? But um, we've taught 120 girls how to swim, you know, and we give free swim lessons. What we found was like these coaches, Erin, and then she recruits people, they do the swim lessons on these Sundays before practice starts. So that with only our eight practices in the summer, they're not there learning how to swim. They already know when they start the program and same with riding a bike. Uh, we also teach them how to ride a bike beforehand. We were doing it during practices and it just, to, you know, we wanted them to be involved with the whole thing. 120, how to swim, 115, how to ride a bike and 16, more than 16, more than 600 have crossed the finish line. And we've just wow. given away thousands of, like I'm on a um, team core for my triathlon. It's just, it's it's another, um, it's a women's sports uh, triathlon clothing, but the founder, Kevy Holden, recruits people who are active in the community who support women. And all these women across the country just keep sending me their gear, you know? It's great. Keep sending us, you know, the kits, you know, the tops yeah. and the shorts. 
and shoes and helmets we get like and people across the country are just sending all this stuff that they get to take home you know it just it's really resonated i think it came at a time i think uh, you know that were they they, families really needed this you know they needed something like this and so i think it's needed in every community you know to support girls and and encourage them and get them to cross the finish line because you know learning doing an Ironman, if you can do an Ironman, right, you think you can do anything. And I just think like, like these girls thinking they didn't even know how to swim and then they are swimming and then they cross the finish line. Oh, and I'm the MC at the finish line, you know, watching them cross the finish line. I'm just crying because you see them like working so hard all year and then they did it. They accomplished that goal and just the self-confidence that it builds. It's it's just awesome. Yeah. So you also told this story as part of a TED talk. Yeah, I did. It's, it's really, it is. <laughs> it really feels like it should be a movie or something. Um, and your TED talk is really, really great. Can you talk a little bit about what that experience is like? Because there's a lot of work that goes into giving one of these talks. I think people might be interested to go a little behind the scenes of it. Sure. Yeah. You know, so a lot of communities have their own like um, independent chapters of TED Talk. And then that's part of the big umbrella of TED. And so my TED Talk is on TED's website. Um, But I went through the, through the, this is in Omaha and I just, they had auditions and I thought, you know, I've always wanted to do a TED Talk. I don't know. I'll just go in and tell them about my note and what happened. And so had the initial audition and I was chosen and then they actually gave us a coach. So, you know, for me, it was, it was so out of my comfort zone because, you know, we just, you in the studio, right? There's just like five people. I, it's me and my photographer. This was going to be in front of 500 people, you know, all staring at me. It's just, it's just different, right? When, you know, you have all these people eyeballs on you when, when the camera's on you, it's not. Well, and, and you're the girl from TV. So the expectation is probably a little higher. Oh yeah, that too. Right? <laughs> so she knows how to do this. She's on TV. She knows how to talk, but it's like, yeah, for 30 seconds. <laughs> and, um, and so it was great. I had this great coach and we met, uh, her name was Rita and really she just, she kind of, I told her she turned into my therapist because she kind of was getting into the details as to, well, why did it hurt you so bad? Like, what's the message here? What have you learned from this? And so it was just kind of a, telling the story and, and learning how to link it all together um, to make it understandable. And, you know, in that red circle form, standing up there with everybody looking at you and, and how you do that. So it was really, that was empowering for me because I'd never done anything like that before. But I also think it was important to get that message out, you know, you know, just to be supportive to, if there's something you want to do, it's okay. Just go out and do it. It doesn't matter. You don't have to go do an Ironman or a triathlon, you know, and also how to stand up to people and stand up for yourself and, and love your big fat nose and everything, you know, and love whatever it is. Just that concept of, um, you know, bullying. It's, it's never been easier to be the classroom bully and you get to do it anonymously. Now you don't have to worry about getting in trouble. <laughs> high school doing it because of social media. Exactly. So that's why I'm glad, you know, that, you know, you see around the country that more, more women journalists are calling these people out and not just accepting it and, and calling out, you know, the, the things that people are saying, you know, and so hopefully that just makes somebody think twice about not doing it again. Haven't heard from this person. No clue. Don't care. Thank you, bully. You know, thank you for sending me the note because, uh, we're changing a lot of lives. But can you yeah, imagine? So- can you imagine when 
it kind of started going public and, and that person started seeing all the like good you were doing and the momentum. Can you imagine being that person going, Oh my gosh. Can yeah. you even imagine? I mean, like talk about like some payback. That's like the ultimate right. payback. Don't mess with me. <laughs> Don't mess Don't with mess Michelle. With but yeah, that and and so and also putting it on, you know, the international stage with TED Talk, you know. So, you know, I kind of wanted to bring that bring that that message out too. And um and and I'm just so proud of how these girls have really embraced embraced what our message is, and you know, of honoring themselves and others, and you know, turn learning how to turn a negative into a positive. And you know, it's interesting. I've I've heard from people saying, you know, I hated my nose too. You know, thank you for doing this. Thank you for talking about your nose. I've always hated it. And it from, you know, I, I'll get messages, you know, I watched your Ted talk. It, it really, you know, helped me, you know, accept who I am. And so, you know, it's not just helping these girls learning triathlon, it's helping people across the world. And, um, that's empowering for myself too, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And also I suggest if anybody ever wants to do a Ted talk, do it. It's, it's just really, there's all kinds of messages out there. There's all kinds of stories to tell. So as right. we wrap up, because I actually have to go back and anchor another hour of news here in just a moment. <laughs> I think you have a workout to get to. I don't know to. how you have time for this. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. You, you just get it done. Um, I'd love to just get you. I, you strike me as somebody who I would go to for advice on like lots of different things, <laughs> or if I would go to for just a pep talk. Well, I so, tell that about you. Well, I'm well then mutual, mutual agreement that we'll, we'll do that for each other. What would be your best advice for somebody who maybe is looking at kind of blowing up their life and do it and like making a big move like you did, like choosing to leave a place after 20 years and like start over at a different point in your life. What, what's your best advice for somebody who's maybe thinking about doing that? Well, you know, I'm gonna tell you, it, it, it hasn't been smooth and it hasn't been easy. You know, I'm still trying to make friends and, and that sort of thing. So, it's, you know, gotten a little lonely, but, um, you know, trying to stay involved. I would just say it's the same thing. Like there's no matter what it is, like a changing, making that change in your life. I mean, what do you got to lose? Right. What, I don't want to live with regret. So I... I don't know. It might, it, it sounds too simple. Just do it. Right. It sounds, yeah. you know, just do it. But like, why not? Um, my friend and another triathlon friend, we have a, a saying that we hashtag, why the hell not? What do you have to lose? It's something you've wanted to do. Take that chance. Um, you know, I'm glad I did. I made the right move. It was scary. Definitely. But, uh, you know, there's so many new things I'm learning. And so it's just, do you want to be stuck and sitting there wherever you are on your couch and, and regretting and, oh, I should have done this. I wish I would have done this, but you just have to take a, take a chance. You know, and if it doesn't work out, you can always go home. Like I went back home for 20 years. So, you know, I had been reporting in other cities. I went back home. You can always go back to where you were, but I have a feeling if you take that jump, you won't. Okay. Best advice for somebody who gets, no, I think it's really good. Best advice okay. for somebody who gets a negative comment from somebody, whether it's on social media or something that people say in person, because I find personally, or maybe it's just me, um, that people post pandemic are still a little off and sometimes say things you're like, Whoa, that actually came out of your mouth. That was not, that was your inside voice that just got out. <laughs> so best advice to handle something negative that's thrown at your way, whether it was really meant or not. Yeah, that's a tough one because, you know, this one I couldn't ignore, like, yeah. you know, and so you always want to say, just ignore it. But sometimes, you know, you just, you just, I think you respond with a positive. 
you know, I think that's just what you have to do. If you get a negative, then, you know, when I get those emails, I'm like, oh, thanks for watching my report or thanks for watching, you know, and I'll, and I'll just send something back like that. Um, I know a lot of reporters who, you know, respond to the, respond all the time to these negative comments. And so sometimes I think they may listen, they may not, but it also makes us feel better too, when you respond with something positive, mm -hmm. um, instead of letting it just sit there. So I just always think respond with something positive. Don't engage and go back do the back and back and forth, but just thank you and move on. Yeah, I think that's good advice. I do tend to respond. And nine times out of 10, the first thing that the person will give me back is, oh, I had no idea you'd see this, which is pretty interesting. And I think that that's very true of kind of the armchair warriors who throw comments out on social media on accounts that they just think that it really won't go to the person. So that's also something I think to think about with the social stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's another person, there's a human being on the other end of that you're sending, you know, and it can be hurtful. Yeah. So think twice. Okay. Last bit of advice with Michelle, which should be its own podcast. Maybe they should start that podcast at channel three. Hey. Um, <laughs> um, best advice for people about taking on big goals. I mean, not everybody wants to do an Ironman, which is fine, but your best advice on like really applying yourself towards something big, digging in and then trying to make it happen. So I think you and I might be similar in this sense where if I don't have a goal, I feel lost. You know, I need something on my calendar, um, whether it's, you know, doing a, a race, signing up for a race or um, being part of a book club and reading a book by, you know, by this certain time, uh, because I get distracted very easily. And so um, I think what you need to do if you're going to have this, you do need to have a plan, you know, and you also have a deadline too. I always feel like I need a deadline because then I, if I reach that deadline, it, it does build my self-confidence and saying, okay, I accomplished that. I did that. I checked something off my list. And so if I don't have something set or on the schedule, I do feel a little lost. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm like, what am I doing? Where am I going? What do I need to do? But just, I think for me to have that focus is very helpful. So I've got to have whatever the goal is. I just have to have it on the calendar and then I'm working towards it. And so I think that's what's so addictive about triathlon is, okay, checked off my list. What's the next one? Yeah, it's it adds so some dumb. structure. It's like the bumpers, like when you're doing like bumper bowling, <laughs> it yes. just kind of gives you somewhere to kind of like start, start yeah. your aim for. Yeah, I need a start and a finish. And but so, the in-between is the best part. It always is. Training yeah. is always the most fun. So what are some good ways for people to learn more about Ironhawk and to follow oh. you in all of this? Oh, thank you. Yeah. So we're ironhawkjuniors.org and uh, we we're revamping the website and we always are taking donations. Uh <clears throat> so throwing that out there. But <laughs> then you know, I'm at KCRA, so it's just Michelle Bandour KCRA on Facebook. Uh, I think I'm M Bandour KCRA on Twitter. But my Instagram handle I call Bandurance. Love that. Get it? Get it? Oh, I get it. Okay. Endurance, <laughs> Bandurance. For those of you who are like, what? So it's my last name, Bandurance. Um, so those are all my social media handles. You can always email me at Hearst. You know, so. And we've got email at Ironhawk Juniors at it's ironhawkjuniors at gmail.com. So not, not to add something else to your plate, but any thoughts of like branching this out West? I mean, I've already talked to people. I love it. So, uh, you know, it is, and, and there's such a huge community here. And so I already know that there's a bunch of groups that do help, um, do, do kids triathlons. 
um, talked to the Sacramento Triathlon Club, talked to Total Body Fitness, um, been in touch with the bike shop, you know, so we'll just see. It's a big undertaking. So obviously not right now. I haven't even been here four months, but maybe next year, the next year or two, we could have a Sacramento chapter, which I think would be great. Right. I think it'd be great. Well, Michelle, thank you so much. Yeah. That's pretty much me volunteering. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I will. Thank you so much. It's so wonderful to have you on our team. And I'm just so glad to have a new friend that I feel such a good connection with from the second you walked in. I was like, oh, a cool kid's come in. I love it. <laughs> no, I, I feel this one gets me. <laughs> Even while I was following you, I'm like, oh, I hope I get to meet her. Oh, yeah. well, this is going to be good. All right. Best of luck in Ironman, California. Oh, you too. How great is Michelle? I know. Can you see why I'm so excited to have her as a work colleague and just as a friend now? She's just wonderful. I hope you'll follow her on all the socials and uh, support Ironhawk. It's just an incredible program making such a big difference. Got another Ironman episode coming up for you. We are going to be talking with Mark Goldman in our next episode. He is behind the 13 for 13 Heroes mission, and it is a mission to complete 13 Ironman or Ironman 70.3 races for each of the fallen service members who gave the ultimate sacrifice on August 26th 2021 in Kabul, Afghanistan. So you may remember what happened at the airport there. 13 people lost their lives. One of them actually grew up in the Sacramento area. And so Mark is basically traveling the country, doing these races over a course of three years to make sure that the families of those who lost their lives um, know that they are never going to be forgotten and that people care. So we'll be talking to him about the race that he'll be doing in Sacramento and more about Nicole G, who is the service member who grew up in Roseville. It's it's a great episode. He's incredibly motivating and his reasons behind doing it will surprise you a little bit, I think. Thank you so much for listening today and we'll see you next time on the Dying Desk Podcast.